My name is Brady Pointer. Talking some Dallas Cowboys football today. Little Dallas Mavericks basketball today. Cowboys 6-1. Mavericks 4-2 to start the early season. Cowboys coming off that big win over Minnesota. You know, I was out of town this weekend. I was in Tulsa seeing my brother. That was a lot of fun. Um, so I didn't really get out a preview or talk much about this upcoming week for y'all. That was my fault. Sorry. Got a life. Um, but I'm here now. We're going to talk about the Cowboys' 20-16 to victory over Minnesota. We're going to talk about Dallas Mavericks. Their first six games so far, they got another one tonight against Miami. We're going to go into that, see what they've been struggling with the Mavericks, their offensive issues, KP's hurt again, big surprise there. Um, but first, we're going to start with the Dallas Cowboys taking down the Vikings 20-16. to No Dak Prescott's Cooper Rush Hour, baby. 24 for 40, 325 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, led the game-winning drive, that five-yard touchdown pass to Amari uh, Cooper in the corner of the end zone to seal the victory. And speaking of the corners or the, or the receivers, you got to give them all the credit. Amari Cooper, eight receptions, 122 yards and a touchdown. Uh, C.D. Lamb, six receptions, 112 yards. Cedric Wilson, three receptions, 84 yards and a touchdown. Had that huge 70-something yard touchdown to start the second half. That really got the offense going because Cooper Rush did not look good in the first half. Did not look good at all. Came out in the second, played really well. You know, the offense was cooking. The offense played, played really well. 419 total yards with QB2. Can't beat that. They converted third, seven third downs, 6.2 yards per pass play, 17 passing first downs. I mean, Cowboys went out there and they still threw the ball, and they were they knew what they needed to do, and, and they gave they the uh, the Vikings defense gave them a look that so that they could pass it. And after that first interception, Cooper Rush really didn't try and do too much with the football. He was very conservative with it, didn't try and force it in any tight windows because that that interception ball got tipped up by those two safeties. Um, that was a bad throw. And after that, he didn't really see too much of that from Cooper. He took the correct throw, took the good throws, the smart throws. Didn't really try and force anything and took what his receivers were giving him. You know, they've got, you know, he trusted his receivers, trusted the talent around him, trusted his coaching, and it led to a victory. And that's what you that's what you gotta do when you're when you're a backup quarterback. You don't go out there and you do too much. You don't try and go out there and throw for four hundred yards. Uh, you go out there and you trust your receivers and you trust your coaching, you trust your protection. And luckily, Dallas had fantastic amounts of all three of those on Sunday because last year when Andy Dalton was in the offensive line was banged up um, you know you still had the decent receiving core but the, of course Mari Cooper's always battling injuries uh, and the main thing is, is the offensive line was banged up last year and that caused a lot of problems that will always cause you problems and Zeke not playing well last season Zeke playing a lot better this year he had you know he didn't have a fantastically statistic a fantastic statistical game he had 16 carries for 50 yards that, but he did have the play of the game, the third and 11, uh, the 15-yard reception, split two defenders, broke a third tackle to get the first down. The Cowboys were at the the uh, Viking 20. At, honestly, and the play before that was a very weird delay of game. Uh, the, the Vikings tried to call a timeout after they had just called a timeout. You can't call consecutive timeouts. And the refs were supposed to ignore it. But they granted it. So whenever the refs grant it, that is a five-yard penalty to the team that was asking for the timeout, which is very strange. It kind of makes you beg the question, why did the refs grant it in the first place? But, you know, NFL refs suck. 
Um, we're not going to go too much into how they affect the game because we all know they do, um, and they're terrible. And the, the Cowboys had like 11 penalties um, this game, so penalties were flying. Um, I think some of them were pretty wishy-washy. There was a there was a roughing the passer late uh, late in the game when the Vikings were driving. That was not a roughing the passer at all. That was I mean Cooper Rush took a hit like that earlier in the game and nothing was called. So I mean the refs are gonna are gonna make their presence known 100%, and they definitely did that on that delay of game call. But it worked out in Dallas's favor. If Dallas doesn't have that delay of game, get that extra five yards, there's a good possibility Zeke does not convert that first down. And, I mean, regardless, you can't give enough credit to the fight that Zeke had on that play. He broke three, split two defenders, split the initial two defenders, broke a third tackle to get across the first down marker, to get Dallas into an opportunity to score and win the football game. And then literally the next play, Dallas... Corner of the end zone. Mark Cooper touchdown. What do you know? What do you know? Ezekiel Elliott is leaps and bounds a different player than he was last year. He had that play earlier in the year um, where it was, he had to beat one man to score a touchdown and he couldn't do it. This this time around, a few weeks later, he beat three guys for a first down that basically won Dallas the game, essentially. If Dallas doesn't convert that third down, they kick a field goal and then who knows what happens. So Ezekiel Elliott... Kudos to you. You have come a long way from last year. You've leaps and bounds better. And I love having you in the backfield. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for all you do. Uh, you know, and Cooper Rush, like I said, he wasn't great. And the protection was really helpful this year. Um, I think the protection was great. That was much needed. Uh, you hurt. You sucks to lose uh, Tyron Smith. He's got a bone spur. He kind of re-aggravated that ankle injury he had against New England. Um, what was really weird about that, though, is when Ty Naseke came in, you didn't see any of Lael Collins. Didn't see any of them. I mean, he came in to run that inverted wishbone look that they had, but when you know, when your starting left tackle goes down, you, you it's next. It's the continuity and you know, being mad at Lael for what he's done off the field that goes out the window. You're trying to, you, and especially when you're in the game, when it's a winnable football game, you gotta play the best players, and that's Lael Collins by far over Dinaseke. You what you showed Dallas probably should have known what they should do this week coming into Sunday against Denver is probably take Terrence Steele, move him to left tackle, and then let Lael play right tackle. Terrence Steele played left tackle last season when Tyron Smith went down, then, and Steele has been very good this year. I think he's, Steele has been fantastic this year and filling in for Lael. And it, it doesn't it wouldn't hurt at all to move him to that other side because once again he's still been playing well. It's not like he's on the right side, just giving up pressures left and right. He has been fantastic on that right side. And you'd think that he could reciprocate that on the left side. Um But now when now on Den now Sunday, you've got it, continuity, whatever. You don't want low line continuity, be damned. We're not about that. Okay, we we the best players play. And that's Lael Collins. Tinaseke, when he came in, the pre, you could the, when he came in. Yeah, Everson Griffin started getting in the backfield more. Minnesota starting de- 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 uh, started getting to Cooper Rush a bit more. They started generating a little bit more pressure. There was definitely a difference there when Nseke came in. So I definitely, so I for sure think that the best player needs to play. Now, we're not 100% sure if, if Tyron's going to miss time. Um, that's a wait-and-see thing. Now, it obviously helps that Von Miller is no longer a Bronco. He got traded yesterday to the Rams. So that helps. Uh... You know, that can, you know, maybe if you're not having to face Von Miller, maybe you rest Tyron Smith the game, which honestly I wouldn't be too upset at that. You know, Dallas, you know, Dallas does have a little bit of more depth. You know, Ty- Tyron Smith, Terrence Steele is playing well. 
Lael Collins is back from suspension. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, make, it makes a lot of sense to rest him. You know, it doesn't hurt. I don't feel like it won't hurt, especially since you don't have to worry about Vaughn Miller anymore. I don't see where it could hurt to sit Tyron Smith Sunday and let Terrence Steele play left tackle, let L. Collins play right tackle, because that's the way it needs to be. Like, we can't, no more of this, yeah, no more of this being mad at L. The best player plays, okay? Best player plays. That's how it needs to go. Uh, on top of other injuries, Trayvon, you know, he had the ankle injury late in the game. He said he's going to be fine. He should be good for Sunday. Dak is supposed to be a full go and practice on Thursday, so that's a good outlook for Sunday. Uh, and Jabril Cox, bad news there, tore his ACL on Sunday. He is done for this season. Rookie fourth-round pick there. That's That was unfortunate to see. Um, I was interested to see what he could provide, especially in some cover situations. He played a lot of special teams this year. Um, but... You know, he's a rookie and come back, bounce back, make an impact next season. I think Francis Bernard will be the guy you see a little bit more of replacing him. Um, sticking to the defensive side of things, let's talk about that defense a little bit. When you come in, you know, Minnesota's got a pretty good offensive, you know, pretty good offense. You know, they got Kirk Cousins, a good quarterback. Dalvin Cook's really good running back. You know, they've got Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, top receivers in the league. So, I mean, they've got weapons. They've got legitimate weapons on that offensive side. And Dallas just shut down that passing game. Kirk only had 184 yards, 23 for 35, one TD. He's only 4.8 yards per pass. Justin Jefferson wasn't a factor at all. He had two receptions for 21 yards. Adam Thielen had a couple of nice plays, but overall, six receptions for 78 yards, pretty much held in check. Um, Dallas didn't let Dalvin get going either. You know, he every time he's played Dallas, he's had uh, over 100 yards. And Dallas still had a decent, decent, decent night. But wasn't wasn't great. Wasn't what he's been doing against Dallas. And the question for Dallas has been, once a team actually wants to run the ball against him with a legitimate running back like Dalvin, are they going to be able to hold up against it? Because last year they couldn't. Last year they had terrible run defense. And this year it is much improved. And you could think players like Micah Parsons, 10 solo tackles, 4 tackles for loss. You could think players like Justin Hamilton. He had a 90 grade. Uh, he graded out at 90 plus this, uh, this week. Um... You know, Carlos Watkins had a good game. The interior defensive line for the Cowboys is much improved. And when we get back to Neville Gallimore, that'll only help. So those are those are things that are helping this run game. You know, having Micah Parsons literally everywhere. That man is everywhere. There was not a play that ended when the Cowboys were on defense that I did not see Micah Parsons around the ball carrier at some point. I mean, that dude flies around the football at a high rate of speed. And he is fantastic to watch. He's so good. He does so many great things. He rushed the passer. He stopped the run. He dropped back in coverage. He does a lot of great things for this Dallas defense. And, you know, a lot of people were crazy. We're talking crazy about the pick. And it's turned out to be a fantastic pick. Because he is definitely in the running for defensive rookie of the year. If not the clear front runner. For sure, the guy has had an amazing season so far. And he does so much for this defense. So much. And also another guy. Randiford Gregory. Randy. Taking over that pass rushing, letting him know that he will not be silenced. He was he was called on some bullshit calls, I thought, in this game, and he got pissed off and pissed off Randy Reeves. Randy is good, Randy. He's out there making plays, rushing the passer, had himself a sack. And now, now if Dallas could get a little bit more on the other side, you know, maybe a secondary pass rusher that would help. You know, it, it might not be enough to wait until Demarcus Lawrence gets back. We'll see what happens there. But if you but when Demarcus Lawrence does get back, and you have him, and you have Randy, both tacking the edge, good luck QB. It's gonna be a bad time. Gonna be bad. 
and I love to see it. Demica Parsons was all over the field on Sunday, literally everywhere, everywhere you looked. There's number 11 in your face. It's great stuff. He's a monster on the defensive side, and I said before the game, defense is going to have to have their best game, and I think they did. Didn't force any turnovers, uh, lost a turnover battle, but they held that passing game in check. The run game really couldn't get going. They did a lot of really good things as a team defense that you need to do to win football games. You know, Anthony Brown was a fan, was fantastic in that game. He has really settled into that number number two corner role after having a kind of a, a rough start the first couple games. He's really settled into that number two role. You know, of course, Trayvon Diggs. You know, you've got some of them. You got some missed assignments. You got some, you know, maybe a little too much aggression on his part. But that's kind of his calling card. And he's still young. He's got time to learn. He's got time to show those things up because that those are issues that can be fixed and be coached and be molded. And it's just, you know, I think he's going to be one of the best top five corners in the league for years to come, Trayvon Diggs. Um, he he does give up some of the big plays here and there, but those are issues that can be coached and fixed with age and maturity and experience and things like that. I feel like he's going to. Come, uh, turn into one of the better corners in the league for years to come, and I'm really glad Dallas has Trayvon back there, and they can also look at Anthony Brown as well. Like I just said, he's having a great year. He's coming around to that number two corner role, and he's doing really well. He made a lot of made a lot of really nice plays on Sunday. Um, so you know, Dallas takes on Denver on Sunday at noon, I believe. Uh, like I said, Denver just traded away Von Miller. They still have a good defense. Got Justin Simmons playing safety for the Broncos. He's having a great year. He's going to be looking to make some plays against Dak. So, I mean, even without Von Miller, Denver's defense is still pretty solid. So, it'll be nice to see you know, Dallas's offense go up against his defense. I'm not, you know, got to be careful with, you know, got to be careful with Teddy, with Theodore. You never know what you're going to get out of him. Um, he can come out and throw for, you know, 20 for 25, 285 yards and two touchdowns, or he can throw three interceptions. Um, never know what you're going to get out of Theodore. So got to put pressure on him. Got to make him uncomfortable. Can't give him time to throw the football. That's what Dallas need to do. Keep that pressure up on Theodore, and he'll be all right. Uh, now, moving on to a little Dallas Mavericks basketball. Done with the Cowboys. Mavericks 4-2 so far this season. Offense has really struggled. They're bottom five in true shooting percentage, effective field goal percentage, offensive rating. So offensively, the team, not great. Not great. And I think a lot of it is not, not necessarily the looks they're getting. It's just the shots aren't falling. Um, you know, there's a, a Twitter account, Shot Quality. They just, you know, judge, you know, based on, you know, what Dallas should have gotten based on the looks. So should they have made these shots? So Dallas should have won this percentage of the time based on, you know, any team, not just Dallas. But any team should have won based, you know, based on the shots they got and things like that. So against the Nuggets, Dallas lost pretty bad to Denver. Um... Dallas, based on the shots Dallas took in that game, they Dallas should have won that game 65% of the time. So that tells you the shots just aren't falling for Dallas. You're getting good looks, just they're not going in. Which eventually that will come around to be to for Dallas in Dallas's favor. It's not going to continue. That doesn't last, things like this don't last a whole season. I mean, if you're getting bad looks and you're taking bad shots, that's one thing. But when you're getting good shots and they're not going in, that's different. Okay, that, that will change. That's not going to last an entire season. So, initially, when you look at the 4-2 record, because, you know, they played the Hawks. They played the two legi- the two legitimate teams they played, Atlanta Hawks and Denver Nuggets. Dallas lost by a combined 57 points. So, the two losses are bad. The four wins, you look at teams like Sacramento. Uh, you got the Spurs, Houston, Toronto. You know, Toronto's not a bad team. 
Uh, it was in Toronto too. Dallas was down. They came back and they won that game. It's a great win. It was much needed win. You know to prove that they can actually defeat a decent team. And then you've got you know Sacramento, San Antonio, Houston. You know, Dallas wasn't really pulling away in those games. Hell, they were down by 20 points. They were down 23 to three to San Antonio at one point. Dallas really didn't assert their dominance in those games. They won them. They fought off the late comeback by those teams. They held them off. You know, but they were those teams just just kept in it. They just kept in it. Dallas wasn't really able to put those teams away, and those are lesser teams. Sacramento, San Antonio, Houston, those are lesser teams than what Dallas is. And, well, they were, uh, well, I say that. They were supposed to be coming into the season. As the season goes on, we will actually see if that's the truth. If Dallas is actually a four, five, or six seed in the West, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, being four and two helps, but uh, you just couldn't beat the, You got demolished by the two of the better teams in the league. Those are playoff teams. Atlanta and Denver. Atlanta and Denver are playoff teams. And if you're getting beat by combined 57 points by them, it's not a good look. And then you're not blowing out Sacramento. You're not blowing out Houston. You know, you're, you're, the game's coming down to it. So, you know, the Houston game was pretty good. Now, Houston kept in it. You know, Houston's got a lot of young talent, um, but they just don't have a lot of the vet, veteran NBA experience that they need. And I feel like Houston got, Houston has a core, for sure, with Jalen Green and Christian Wood. They've got a really good core. But they just need more time, in the, in my opinion, for in Houston. So, uh, but Dallas, as a team, Dallas should easily beat. You know, they got a good young talent that if you don't keep them in check, they will score 125 points on you. So you've got to be careful with that. But you know, those are teams Dallas needs to beat, and they did beat them. I'm not, but it's just those teams held on a little bit more than I'd like them to. Um, then of course, you know, we've got injury situations. KP got hurt. He's missed three straight games. Back issues. Maxi might not play tonight against Miami. Uh, you know, with the KP thing, man, like that guy, he, we were two games into the season. This man's already hurt. So, like, it's it's just not a good look, obviously. And you had your full healthy offseason. You had all the time in the world to get your body right for NBA basketball. And then you come two or three games a season and you're already hurt. You already got the back issues. I mean, come on. I mean, how long is this going to last? You know, if this man only plays 55, 60 games this year, Dallas has to legitimately consider. Like they, I mean, like they already haven't, but they need to legitimately consider getting rid of him this offseason. You can't, because you can't, you can't have the guy you expect to be the number two off the court for a quarter of the season. You just can't. You can't do it. And, you know, Dallas gave him an opportunity, gave him a chance. You know, I know injuries aren't always the player's fault, but you it's a factor. It plays into decisions of whether or not to keep someone, whether or not someone's valuable is injuries. And if, and if Chris Stapps can't stay on the floor, he's not as valuable. And Dallas really needs to look into get rid of, get, getting rid of him if he can't stay on the floor this season. And that, I mean, that, I know that's always a risk with Chris Stapps. It's always a risk, but, I mean, it's every year. Every single year, this same shit happens. Got to be on the court, Chris Stapps. You're not valuable if you're on the bench. He's got to realize that. He's got to figure out a way to stay healthy. Got to figure out a way. And if he can't, then it's time to go. And if he can't stay healthy this, this offseason, then I will be clamoring for a KP trade because it will be time. It will be time, and I think this Dallas front office needs to realize that post-haste, real quickly. So we'll see what happens there. You know, the offensive issue, you know, they have been 3-0 without him. You know, the offensive issues span from, you know, KP needs to be more consistent when he's on the floor. Luka's not making his three-point shots. Uh, Luka hasn't really been able to get to the rim as much as he likes to as well. So you know, Luka's a three-level scorer. He can score from anywhere on the floor, anywhere he wants to. 
But his favorite thing to do is get to the rim. He loves getting to the rim. He's very good at it. He's crafty there. And he makes a lot of shots. So that's his bread and butter. If he can't get to the rim, that's going to affect his mid-range and his three-point game. So I think that's where Luka needs to start. Luka needs to focus on getting more to the rim, becoming more a little more efficient around there, and then work on extending his game. Because last season, Luka started out with a slow three-point shot. It was bad first part of the season. Then he ended up, then he went on a tear and had the best three-point year of his career. Uh, so I'm not too worried about Luka's slow three-point shot. Uh, it'll come around. Luka realizes it. Uh, I think the team realizes it, and there's always going to be a learning curve with this offense this season, I believe. You know, with new head coach, you know, it, it, it was like that with Rick Carlisle. You know, even though he'd been with the team forever, he still was slow getting rotations in the beginning of the season, testing out what works, testing out what doesn't work. And, you know, this is the way it goes. And especially with a new coach now, he's got he's to learn exactly what he likes, what he doesn't like. And, yeah, so it was not it's not out of the, you know, completely crazy to say that. This team might struggle a little offensively to begin the season just because there's, you know, you got the same, you have pretty much the same team as last season. So the teammates are, you know, are all completely different. You know, you got Intilakina who's played pretty well so far. It's been a nice pickup for Dallas. Uh, Reggie Bullock, he had a pretty decent game. He needs to get more minutes, in my opinion. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're testing the waters here. You know, Dallas is still 4 and 2, so we're not hitting the panic button for nothing or for any reason. You know, it's not like they're one and five. Now this is four and two. They're, they're they've had a decent start to the season. They're winning the games they need to win. They're still beating Sacramento, Houston, San Antonio. Still beating those teams, which is good. <coughs> they're still eking out W's in those games, even though they may not be pretty. Still getting wins. Uh, Dallas does have a tough test tonight um, against uh, Miami. Uh, Bam. Adebayo, Victor Oladipo, both questionable for Miami. Chris Stapps and Maxi are questionable. I think Maxi actually might be out, if I'm being completely honest with you. I think Chris Stapps is questionable um, for tonight. He was getting some work in in practice, so we'll see how that goes. If he doesn't play tonight, I do feel like he's getting he's getting back to being on the court. So hopefully soon with Chris Stapps, and we'll see if he can have a lasting impact on the court, because that would be nice. It would be nice if our wanted number two was actually on the court to play basketball. So we'll see, and I have no issues with you know, Luca's Luca will come around. A Luca led offense, I've got, I've got no worries about a Luca led offense, as you should not either, because Luca has shown us what he can do and how great he is. And a Luca led offense is is something I will not worry about. So we'll see what happens tonight against Miami, and we'll go from there. And I think that's about it for the point today. Thank you for listening and sharing. Um, I really appreciate it. Appreciate you sticking with me. And I will see y'all next time.